Merry Christmas and welcome to the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, recording on National Signing Day. And as of right now, this moment that we are recording, the Sooners have 28 signees for their 2024 recruiting class. That's 28 if you count Bergen Kaiser, a preferred walk-on out of Edmond Santa Fe who's being recruited as an athlete, and that will go up to 29 when Andy Bass, another athlete from Heritage Hall, officially signs his letter of intent, which he's doing later on in the night. Um, And I don't mind telling you this, uh, with the folks from OU Insider, I've had a good relationship with Brandon Drum throughout the year. So, okay, congratulations on Brand- for Brandon. That's a good get. And congratulations to uh, Andy Bass on becoming an Oklahoma Sooner. So, obviously, we're going to talk about the signing class. And I'll tell you what really excites me about this. And we'll also get into a couple of kids who are coming to OU, not just to play football, but have tremendous baseball skills as well. And I think one of them may turn out to be one of the nastiest pitchers that we've seen in recent baseball memory. Um, we'll also talk about the curious case of Caden uh, Green and him going to Missouri and what Eli Drinkwitz had to say on Sirius XM about people trying to poach players at the last minute via NIL, but him and Missouri ter- doing the same thing with Caden Green. So there, there's, a, there's a lot to discuss here in a very short amount of time, please do us a favor. Um, pause pause the podcast right here or wait till the end of the episode, whatever suits you, and give us a five-star rating and also write a written review. Uh, the five-star rating helps us elevate our content and, of course, the written review tells us more of what you want. I mean, that's just it. I mean, if you tell us what kind of content you want, it makes it easier for us to get it to you. Plus, if you take a screenshot of both and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will send you back the Heartland College Sports koozie. So congratulations to OU. According to Rivals, at least as of the time that we're recording this, they have the number six recruiting class in all of college football, which is huge. Now, it's certainly not the top class in the SEC as Georgia has that distinction with having the number one overall recruiting class, according to Rivals. Texas is number two. Alabama is also in the top six, followed by Oklahoma. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, so Oklahoma's going to the SEC, and there are these three schools ahead of them, well, I'm also going to tell you that OU has at least, again, according to rivals, a better recruiting class than Auburn, a better recruiting class than LSU, who has recently won a national championship, and a better recruiting class than Ole Miss, who won 10 games this year. So it really, honestly, it could not have started. Going to the SEC could not have started any better for OU than what it did on Wednesday when you got that number six signing class. And if you're really looking for the big story, like I, I am one of those that, that always says proceed with caution with, with any recruiting class, especially now, and get kind of in your head or at least budget for the fact that a quarter of these guys – probably won't be here by this time next year or probably won't be here or they'll leave through the transfer portal a couple of years into their career at OU because that's college football. That's not an OU thing. That is a college football thing. And any coach in America is hard-pressed to keep themselves from being poached or keep kids happy enough to stay here while they're developing. And that's Brent Venable's philosophy is to recruit 
as many high school kids as you can. That's why you see 28, 29, uh, possibly more if there are another couple of, of preferred walk-ons that signed today. Uh, sign as many of those and don't hit the transfer portal as hard. Just pick up a few key pieces here and there because Brent Venables wants a program where you develop young men. You keep them around three or four years. And in that time, not only do they have a great grasp of your system, but they get older, they mature, and they have a chance to legitimately compete for a national championship. That's what he wants to do. Now, is that realistic? I don't know in this day and age of college football. Lane Kiffin probably has the same philosophy, but Lane Kiffin, who, by the way, just re-upped at Ole Miss, certainly isn't going to turn down a kid in the transfer portal that he thinks can help him win a whole lot of ball games. Now, Brent Venables isn't going to do the same either. You just might not see as many transfer portal kids at OU as you do a place like Ole Miss. And right now, there's not a, there's just there's not enough data. You don't have enough years of the transfer portal being in action. For you to really know is the best way to win a national championship to do it through the transfer portal or is it through the development of high school kids? You just don't know that. Okay, there's there's not enough evidence out there one way or another to tell you this is the best way to go about things. But certainly for sustained success and the building of a program, you want as many of those high school kids as you can get and you want them to hang around and this week, I mean, we talk about competing in the Southeastern Conference, which is, I mean, look, it's no easy task. And the schedule came out last week, and my God, OU's going to finish the year playing Alabama and LSU. <laughs> ah, there's, there, there's, there's not enough Jack Daniels flowing in America for me to ever think that that is going to be okay. Who knows, maybe by the time that we get to the week before Thanksgiving and the week of Thanksgiving, if OU's rolling along and... They beat Alabama, and LSU is about what they were this year. I might be jumping for joy. Right now, just looking at the schedule, on the surface, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 9-3. and three. I've seen a lot of people say 8-4. and four. I'll be a little bit more optimistic and say 9-3, nine and, nine and, and maybe you'll sneak one of those games in there that, that, that maybe you shouldn't win. But 9-3 and three with that schedule should have you right on the cusp of going to the playoffs is pretty brutal. I mean, that is as brutal an OU schedule as I have ever seen in my life. You may have to go all the way back to 1971 when OU, Nebraska, and Colorado finished 1-2-3. It was actually Nebraska 1, OU 2, Colorado 3. You may have to go back that far. And since I don't have that schedule in front of me, I don't know, I don't know like right off the top of my head what the non-con was, but thank God the non-con in this one consists of Houston, Tulane, Maine for you know Maine for, for one, and you know you're you're looking at another rum dumb in there. Um, to get, oh, Temple, that's right, Temple. <laughs> it's a Temple. What is it? it? It's it's Temple, Tulane, Houston, and Maine. Yeah, I think we can live with that. I think we can live with that as a non-con. But back to the Southeastern Conference. As I digress. The thing that excites me the most about this particular class is the fact that you signed five defensive linemen. And if you want to compete in the SEC, as Georgia showed us, like if you don't want to compete just in the SEC, but you want to compete at a championship level in the SEC, you've got to have those defensive linemen like Georgia have. Even this year, where they lost to Alabama and they got kind of pushed around by Alabama, you've got big athletic defensive linemen. Brett Venables knew that. That's what Brett Venables... 
Brent Venables went, went out to get, and he signed five of them. The, the, the headliner there is David Stone, the 6'4", 275 kid out of, out of IMG Academy, by the way, of Dell City. And you're hoping that every single one of those kids you know, works out, but that's what got me excited. And I always proceed with caution on these things. I very rarely get excited, but I saw five defensive linemen, and I saw a couple of defensive ends, and now I am. I am starting to think, okay, well, maybe this is all going to work out with OU going to the SEC. Or with defensive linemen, they're never easy to get. But especially when you're in a conference that – seems to crank out more of them than anyone else. There's a limited number of those guys that that you can find out there on the street or playing high school football to come compete for you. And Brent Venables talked about that today during his uh, National Signing Day press conference. It's a law of supply and demand. There's just not as many of them. Uh, and it's, it's been that way uh, since football, you know, uh, became a, a sport. And so, uh, you know, rushing the passer, stopping the run, the lines of scrimmage, it's where the game's always been won and lost. So that's not a new revelating thing, uh, but there's just not as many of them you know, that are able to play at a really, really high level. And uh, so there's a uh, there's a body, you know, you're looking for certain, you know, uh, dynamics and, you know, your 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 length, you know, your size, your power, your quickness, uh, you know, your ability to, you know, from a refinement standpoint to rush the passer and, uh, you know, recreate a line of scrimmage, block recognition, you know, the fundamentals that go along with it. Not everybody's developed the same way. And so we've got a group of guys that really have a unique skill set, but also have some, you know, tremendous foundation of fundamentals too. As exciting as getting all those defensive linemen are for OU and for you, the, the OU fan who have been waiting to see this kind of happen and wondering I mean, look, let's face it. We've all been wondering over the last few years, could you get quality defensive players to come to OU? And when I say quality, I'm talking about guys that could play at the NFL level. Guys that even if you're even if OU was in the Big 12, could OU get guys that could compete in the SEC? And when the playoffs rolled around, could OU have that kind of physicality to withstand not to get their butts kicked by LSU or not to get their butts kicked by Bama, Georgia, Clemson, whoever? We all wonder that. And and the answer to that was no. Well, now maybe all of a sudden the answer is yes. That, yeah, you can do it at OU. You just have to have a coach that understands how that, just how important that is, which obviously is something that Lincoln Riley has never understood in his career, but Brent Venables gets it. And the first year under Brent Venables, not very good. Second year's been great. Now we get a chance to really see Brent Venables in his element. And I don't think it's simply just because OU has those three letters, SEC, on their jersey now, which certainly doesn't hurt. It's a combination of that, and it's a combination of having a defensive coach who's done a great job throughout his career developing NFL-type defensive linemen. That's where you're going to see OU grow over the next couple of years. And as excited as I am about that, the kid that excites me the most in this class is one of the guys that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and that is preferred walk-on. Yeah, I said it, preferred walk-on. I make no apologies for this, Bergen Kaiser. And I'll admit, I'm biased. I watched this kid play his entire senior year. You know, he's on my son's football team, so I got to see him up close. I got to see uh, Josh Sosa as well, or Josh Isosa, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Everyone just called him Sosa at Edmund Santa Fe. And first on him, real quick on him, 
uh, a Sosa or Isosa who is a scholarship player, don't look for him to start this year. Do not. Unless, you know, if he start if he starts on campus this January and gets to work with Schmitty and Schmitty can develop his body the way that I've seen Rob Glass um, transform some kids from January to April at, at Oklahoma State, if Sosa can get that kind of development, that kid is going to be an absolute beast. There were times that he did get thrown around this year. One of the guys that did throw him around or saw him in scrimmage is Bergen Kaiser who, again, preferred walk-on, going to OU because that's where he always wanted to go. OU didn't want to give him a scholarship, but they gave him NIL money. They gave him preferred walk-on status. And this kid can play defensive end. He can play defensive line. Although at OU, he's probably going to be more of a defensive rush in. He played what they – at Santa Fe, they call it the Wolfback. At Oklahoma State, they call it the Cowboy back. It's that hybrid fullback tight end position. Can catch the ball can run, can jump, he can punt. He's good enough to punt at the college level. So if all else fails, he can certainly do that. One of the, I think they said the other night, he was averaging like 45, 48 yards a punt, something ridiculous like that. He's that classic kid that's good at everything that he does. Okay, I call him, I call him Dean Blevins because if you don't know anything about Dean Blevins in high school, Dean Blevins was that guy. <laughs> Dean Blevins could do anything that he wanted to athletically. Bergen Kaiser's that way. So I have no issue saying that he's the kid that excites me the most because I'm going to see him find a place on the field. And I get the feeling just from things that I've talked to from the coaches around Santa Fe is that he's a kid that that really is committed, a kid that will work hard. And if things don't exactly go his way, he's not the type of guy that'll jump in the transfer portal right away. And usually those guys that are preferred walk-ons, if they hang around and they compete and they do what's asked of them, eventually they end up on a scholarship. But anymore with the NIL, it is like a scholarship. But with you only having 85 on scholarships, now you can give out as many initial offers as you want, but with you being with you topping out at 85, there are only so many scholarships you can give out. But if you've got kids, especially in-state kids, that you want, but you'd rather use that scholarship on an out-of-state kid, I like the preferred walk-on option. Um, I would say as a parent of a kid who does play football, if it comes down to preferred walk-on status versus scholarship, as a parent, I'd, I'd lean you towards the scholarship because of how fluid the NIL situation is and you never know what exactly is going to change there or how much money you're going to get or not get, uh, depending on collectives and and other things, I would push you towards the scholarship. But if, if a family has the money and a kid can afford it, go ahead. And it's a great way to build depth. I kind of look at it the way that um, Bud Wilkinson used to recruit. When you had unlimited recruits, you just go out and get all the best players in your state. Whether they were going to play or not, you give them a scholarship because they wanted to go to OU and you wanted to keep them away from from other schools. So I don't have a problem with this at all. Another interesting twist on this class um, are a couple of guys that are going to have the opportunity uh, to play baseball. And uh, one of them is a running back, Taylor Tatum, out of Longview, Texas. He is a second baseman and an outfielder right-handed guys got some power apparently has good bat speed 
according to uh, one of the websites that you know that I looked up. I couldn't find much, much anything on him on Perfect Game, but I did find James Nesta on Perfect Game, who's out of North Carolina, who's 6'5", 215, according to Brent Venables. And when it comes to football, Nesta's the type of guy that'll fly around and pop you. And he plays he plays all three linebacker positions. From what I'm reading about him, he'll most likely play inside linebacker at OU. But I looked at him on perfect games. I'm like, all right, so you got a baseball player here. You got two that that, that, that MLB is actually interested in. And one of those Nestas, one of those, which is Nesta, that's what I should say, not one of those Nestas, but one of those, which is Nesta, uh, according to one of my friends that knows baseball really well, this kid could actually be a first-round pick. And on the mound, on the mound, this this guy looks intimidating as hell because he's got that big 6'5 frame, big right-hander. I have no idea if he's going to be the next Nolan Ryan. What I saw is just him throw into a catcher. And location, at least in this video, was a little bit of an issue, but he's got time to work it out. So if you're even remotely interested in OU baseball, now you've got two kids who are going to play football and baseball. And I would say to them, just a word of advice, if it comes down to choosing the NFL or Major League Baseball, even if you have to spend a couple of years in the minors working your way up, go baseball because of the prolonged career. Let's hear Brent Venables uh, talk about not only these two guys, but how big a role OU baseball played and getting them on campus. Well, again, I, I wouldn't say as much me um, and Skip and the baseball team is willing to do that, but I, I think the attractiveness of how, how well our baseball program has done, the history, the tradition, certainly they did a great job of selling those things. I think that attracted them as much as anything. You know, that combination of the excellence of Oklahoma football, what it's represented, and the excellence of baseball. I don't, I, I personally don't think that we would have gotten either one of them had you know the football been a, a powerhouse and excellent and have the history and tradition and then the baseball program stunk I don't think we would have got either one of those guys and so a credit to coach Johnson and again the past players and the excellence that our baseball program has represented uh, as well that's uh, the collaboration between the two staffs and and then certainly there's a willingness I think it's such a cool thing when you have players that have that type of extraordinary talent. Um, what a cool thing. Let's let's have them be in our locker room and let's watch them chase, you know, other dreams in, in multiple sports, bring our team over to the baseball facility and cheer them on, you know, if it's a track uh, athlete, you know, what a cool thing. We want to promote that, not, uh, you know, not, you know, segment it. And uh, so what a celebration. I know it is, you know, uh, south of here uh, with Coach Johnson, his staff with both, you know, Nesta and Tatum. I wanted to squeeze this in as well. Uh, this is John Hoover or John Hoover asked the question about did OU get everything they need? Because, again, this is all about going to the Southeastern Conference. Did OU get everything they need as far as being ready to compete for the Southeastern Conference? Here's Brent Venables. Uh, we certainly are uh, competitive. We want more, and uh, we're going to need more. Uh, whatever that means, it's all-encompassing. Uh, you know, it's incredibly competitive. It's relentless. It's year-round. Uh, it's challenging. Uh, 
you know, there's smart coaches and there's a lot of programs that have a lot of resources, uh, just like Oklahoma. And, and um, so it's a very real competition and one that isn't just going to go away. You're going to win some and not win some, but you need to win more than, than you lose. And so uh, um, everybody here uh, in, the, in the program, from the president all the way to the athletic director, and then everybody else, uh, the recruiting staff, the coaches, the families, the players, everybody, there's a real commitment to it. Uh, I don't think there's anybody here that, uh, that, that doesn't recognize you know, what's in front of us right now. Uh, recruiting's always been competitive, but you're going to go to a, a conference now uh, that the resources are very real everywhere you go, uh, that are either every bit as good, if not better, than what you have. So uh, you got to be resourceful, uh, certainly uh, got to be committed to our philosophy. I don't want to go into a, you know, another 10-minute answer for everybody. I know we got some questions to answer, but, but you know, we want to, as college football is becoming more and more transactional, we want to continue to be a relational. I believe that has, you know, longevity and sustainability. Uh, but at the same time, things have changed uh, dramatically in the last uh, three years in college football. That goes without saying. And the fluidity of, of rosters is a very real thing. The lack of stability of rosters is a very real thing. And so we've got to be adjustable and adaptable and, and be aggressive along the way, not just reactive, but be proactive. And I believe that's the, the, the vision and the philosophy that is shared throughout our university community. Translation on that last part. We know that there's going to be a lot of kids jump in the portal. Even if we didn't get them, we want to maintain an open relationship. So that way, when they jump in the portal, if they're still as good as we thought they were, we want to have first crack at them. That's what that, that's, that's what that last half meant for you. And speaking of the portal, um, you know what? I'm actually going to say good luck to Caden Green at Missouri. Maybe you don't want to hear that, but I don't I don't wish any ill will towards an 18, 19-year-old kid who decides that he didn't want to be on one campus and wants to be on another. It is weird, though, how the reports came out, or at least the talk was there, that he told the collective, I want this particular amount. The collective at OU came up with that amount. And he still bailed and went to Jersey and or not Jersey, but Missouri. Guess he could have gone to Jersey. He could have gone to Rutgers. But no, he ended up going to to, to Missouri. And I thought it was interesting that the staff, one of the staff members caught him walking out with his stuff. It's like, you got to talk to my dad, which, I, again, I never want to tell anyone how to raise their kid. But parents need to know what their place is in this whole process. You're not their manager. OK, you're not their manager. Unless you have a business degree and unless you've worked with professional athletes, parents can actually talk kids into making bad decisions, especially when parents get stars in their eyes or dollar signs in their eyes, which in this case, it sounds like it was more dollar signs than anything else, which is we're going to go to the highest bidder and the highest bidder in this case looks like it's going to be the University of Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz was on a show today, I believe it was on Sirius XM talking about how teams will come in in the last 48 hours of a kid's recruiting process, 48 hours, two days before you sign, and will offer ridiculous amounts, in his words, ridiculous amounts of NIL money to get them to flip their, to, to flip their decision. Let me tell you what, all's fair in love, war, and recruiting. I have no problem with that. Now, I don't want to hear Eli, with, Eli Drinkwitz whine about it. Look, if you're going to poach players... People are going to poach your recruits and they're going to poach your players. So figure out how to build a wall around Missouri 
and deal with it. And I would say the same thing to Brent Venables. Figure out how to build a wall around Oklahoma and deal with it. And sometimes you can, as we just saw in the case of Caden Green, you can give them everything they want, but if they like it better someplace else, they're just going to leave and go there. And you're powerless to stop it. Mike Gundy was right. The only way you can stop it is to force these kids to sign contracts and play out those contracts. But if you're a high-profile kid like Jackson Arnold, like Caden Green, like the kid from IMG Academy, David Stone, why would you sign more than a one-year deal? You wouldn't. And every year you would go back and ask for more money. And maybe the collective has it, maybe they don't. You would sign a one-year contract and then you would use it as leverage to get everything you want or you're just going to jump to another school. So signing contracts isn't foolproof, especially if kids know they're going to be in demand and they're going to sign one-year deals. But that one-year deal can go both ways because you may think, all right, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to go sign a one-year deal. You sign the one-year deal, you're hot garbage, and then now all of a sudden, eh, well, not only are we not negotiating with you, we're telling you to jump in the portal like Dion told, told the majority of his Colorado kids or half of them or whatever stupid percentage it was, we're going to tell you to get in there as well. So that could cut both ways. But I do agree with Mike Gundy. Probably the best way to slow down the, the transfer portal is have kids sign long-term contracts do a better job of punishing people for tampering, take away scholarships. I mean, heck, there, there comes a point, and I say this, I don't even say this in jest, I think we're working towards a day where we may have a draft in college football. There may be like a free agency signing with the portal, and then we may have a freaking draft. That is where this sport's going. Hopefully it doesn't go down that road, but who knows? Maybe it'll be for the best, and maybe it'll help you be able to build a program better than what you're doing right now. Be interesting. I mean, it's become more like the NFL every day. Don't completely rule it out. Sounds nuts now, but I'm not ruling anything out in college football. All right, when we rejoin you next week, um, we'll join you with a preview of the Alamo Bowl, which is coming up on Thursday. We'll tell you a little bit more about the Arizona Wildcats. And until then, may God bless you and your family. As a great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul. Please don't forget, um, give us a five-star rating, write that written review, email it. Email, screenshot it, email it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com and have a very, very safe, happy, healthy Christmas.